worthy is the lamb. The last lamb. No more lambs. The lamb of God has come. And every person here now, if they choose, is free to live, free to love. All their sin has been taken care of. That's amazing because many of us know we've piled some up. And that the grave no longer holds any dominion over us. We do not fear death because the sting of death has been taken away. You absorb death into your body. And we join with millions around the world right now singing, faith in you is worth it. There is no name like your name. And uh, we cry holy with the angels. So thank you for this special day. Thank you for the good things that will happen today because of it, the gathering of friends and family. But more than anything, the hope that transcends this life and affects every second of our existence. For that we cry holy. In Jesus we pray and praise. And everyone said? Amen. 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 You can have a seat. Let's thank the team and the choir for leading us. You're strong. Um, any of you, Christmas makes me smile, but Easter makes me cry. I don't know what it is. It just, I just blubber like an idiot. I'm sorry for that. But uh, I, I, there's just something so, uh, you know, 40 years ago, about this time, I fell on my knees in my parents' basement and said, I can't do this. I can't. I'm just lost. I'm angry. Life has no meaning. It has no direction. And I said, if you, you will take me, I'm yours. And I will tell you 40 years later, it has been worth it. You know, it's been worth it. I was 10 when I gave my life to Jesus. Um, but, uh, it, and I, you know, I know today we... we you know, we have those of you here and you're indifferent to this, and I get it. I was there when I did that. Some of you are interested. Some of you are invested. And uh, no matter where you are today, and especially for those of you who are deep in the well, we have a special place in our heart for you because you think you're too far from God. And the resurrected Christ says, no way, friend. No way. Don't sell me short. My favorite Easter story, it's not an Easter story at all, but I think of it around Easter, this guy who would come home off second shift and he would walk home from work and he would take a shortcut through a cemetery and one night he was walking through the cemetery, he didn't know it, but a fresh grave had been dug and he fell into the grave, this deep wet grave, he's clawing, trying to get out, he can't get out and he just finally gives up and kind of leans against the corner of the grave and, and just... Said, I don't know what to do. A few minutes later, a raccoon hunter came walking through. He, did, he fell into the same hole. And he thought he was all alone in the grave. And then there was a hand on his shoulder as he was trying to crawl out. 
And a voice said, you can't get out of here. But he did. We, we want you to not sell God short when you leave here today. That there's more. The, the words of Ephesians, Paul wrote, that our God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And uh, we believe that's true. If you'd have told me 40 years ago, that lost college student, I mean lost, that the purposes of Christ could be lived out in some some very imperfect way, I would have said no way. I would have said no way. I'm not getting out of this hole. But sometimes it's that point of surrender where you say, I need a hand reaching down. I can't get out of this. I need someone beyond me to reach down into the depths of my reality and pull me out. And I tell people now, you know, the grip of grace is like this. And it's not about how strong your grip is. His grip's stronger than your grip. It's trusting in his grip, not your grip. And we're so glad you're with us because we get to share the good news that God reached down and conquered sin and death. And we let you in on a secret that he wants this secret out. And millions of people around the world, they are saying this, Christ is worth it. That faith in Christ is worth it. He gives strength in weakness. He gives grace in failure. He gives light in the darkness. And sometimes this light shines brightest in the darkness, doesn't it? And he gives hope in death. And there's nothing that can take the place of that. We're in the middle of a series that you may be interested in. If we were very aware that on Easter, often there are people who gave up on God a long time ago because of some crisis in their life. And so we're in the middle of a series, actually, that will continue next week called Your Inevitable Faith Crisis. When you say, I'm a person of faith in Christ, it is going to be tested. And for those of you that are just visiting with us today, we've been looking at Hebrews 11.1, 1, the definitive statement on faith. Faith is the confidence, it's, the, it's having confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. This is what the ancients, were, ancients like Abraham and Moses and, and et cetera were commended for was this type of faith that, that they took one more step beyond what they were confident in. I have up here with me a, a, a plyo box Used to, I could have just looked at that thing and thought, it takes no faith. I can, I can just, in one giant leap for mankind, I can, I can just jump on top of this thing. I'm not doing that in front of you because I don't have confidence anymore in my ability to overcome gravity. I wouldn't jump off that thing in front of you today for fear of what might happen. It, don't do it during the sermon, please, but you've got to look up Miles Garrett. He's a 275-pound defensive end doing a 64-inch plyo box leap. It's just like, this is crazy. Now, he's an end for the Browns. I wish he'd sack more quarterbacks rather than doing plyo box jumps, but uh, it's, just, it's incredible. I mean, 64 inches, like this, this high. And that's, that every, every faith step has as its basis, I have some confidence. There is a rational reason why I'm attempting to jump this or jump down from this. You see, faith, what's faith? Faith is the accumulation, it's the process of accumulating data 
and then taking one more step. That's what it is. Faith is not irrational. Faith, you used it today. You had faith in the people who were driving on the same road that you were in the opposite direction. You had faith in our traffic system, the traffic light. Every, every, we exercise faith all the time. It's confidence. And then on that basis, I can keep driving. Matter of fact, one of the best descriptions of faith is it's like the headlights on your car. The headlights on your car don't illuminate the whole road, but you trust that as you move down the road, what will happen? more of the road will be illuminated. And that's faith. It's the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do. Let me give you an example that's really relevant on Easter. So especially what COVID did, it brought out many things, but one of the things that I was a little surprised by is just how in the enslavement of the fear of death America is. We are a nation terrified by death. Now, I don't know if you know, but the statistics about death are pretty impressive. One out of every one person dies. So we all ought to have interest in this issue, right? The mortality rate, the last time I checked, is hovering around 100%. And, and so it, it is something of interest. But I, I would, that's one thing I was surprised by is just, whoo, man, are we a nation who thinks the worst thing that can happen to you is you, you can die. And it's actually not. And so take this one. Take this one. The, the, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ took away the sting of death. It's like, you know, yeah, you can be afraid of the bumblebee, but that bumblebee has no stinger now. So, you know, don't be afraid because that stinger's gone. The sting of sin is gone. The sting of death is gone. Matter of fact, Hebrews 2.15 says that Christ came to free all of us who all our lives were held in slavery by our fear of death. Whoa, that's a big deal in this country that is just living to avoid death, because that is the worst thing we think that can happen. And so think about this, think about this. If you're confident of, of life beyond the grave, it affects how you live now. If you think that you're just going to be fertilizer for flowers and food for worms, that, and, and it's just like there's just this oblivion that you're entering into, no wonder you're going to get high all the time. You've got to escape that crash at the end of the runway, right? I mean, if, if that's all there is, of course you would check out. You do something to check out because that's, it doesn't matter how much you have fun. You're just wallpapering the Titanic. That's all you're doing because it's going to hit an iceberg. What if, what if you have confidence? Let me give you seven data points. If faith is accumulating data and then taking one more step, here, here are seven data points about death. And why we can believe that there is hope in death. This is just one example of how Christ affects life right now. Number seven. I'll go from seven to one. Nature. Nature. Plato used the argument from nature that there has to be life beyond the grave. Plato wasn't what we call a believer. But he naturally concluded that all around you, you see life coming from death. Life comes from death. Death is not the end. Death is not the end. So we, we love Easter, part of the reason, because maybe spring will be here in Ohio in a month. Okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe it'll come. But we see it. Plants come from dead seeds planted in the ground. Death leads to life. Acorns shrivel up, and they become oak trees. Death leads to life. Uh, caterpillars, they wrap themselves in a tomb. They die, and then they emerge from that tomb. What, like what? A butterfly with color and vibrance. 
Death leads to life. Death leads to life. You see this all around all the time. The, the, the data point that nature is constantly crying out in the spring more than any time, death is not the end. Death is not the end. What about physics? Physics is another data point. Einstein and other physicists argued the first basic law of thermodynamics is what? Matter is neither created nor destroyed. It merely changes shapes. And if when we die, that's it, we're all done, then we would be the only known entity of matter in the universe to be snuffed out. That physics argues that we change our reality, but there is something beyond this matter, your body, changing. Now in the Gospels, we see it as Jesus comes back as a different look. He has a heavenly body. It's, there's hope in that, that physics affirms. What about philosophy? Immanuel Kant was, was the one who argued. I mean, he wasn't what you would call a theist, a believer in God, but he argued for what he called ethics, that the ethical argument confirmed there must be life beyond the grave. He said all cultures have a sense of ethics, and if there's a sense of ethics, then there also is with that a commensurate sense of what he called justice. And justice means that there's going to be an account for not holding the ethical bargain on your side of it. And he said, because not all accounts are balanced in this life, there must be an afterlife that confirms the sense of meaning we know there is in doing right and wrong, where all accounts will be settled. Hitler will be accountable, Kant would have said. Putin will be accountable. People who do things that may not get that justice in this life, he argued for the point of afterlife just from the philosophical reasoning that life matters. What about the longings of the human heart? That's another data point. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the blazing argument for immortality is human dissatisfaction with any other solution. How many of you have ever stood over the grave of a loved one and thought, oh, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. That the longing of the human heart from the the Native American concept of the happy hunting ground to the Muslim concept of sensual pleasure, almost all cultures have a very well-developed sense of something that there is more, there is more, there is more. This is not all there is. There's something beyond this life. What about, what about another uh, data point? What about near-death experiences? Have you ever read books like 90 Minutes in Heaven or Heaven is for Real by Todd Burpo. It's unbelievable. There's, there's some stunning, stunning accounts of people who were confirmed as dead or near death. And the consistency of testimony is stunning. As a matter of fact, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and Dr. Raymond Moody, two psychiatrists, years ago did a famous study studying death experiences, interviewed thousands of people, and the consistency of testimony is stunning. People like a woman who had had a heart attack and she neared death and she could feel herself going beyond her body. A man who was blind and actually gave testimony of actually seeing people who were in the room and leaving the room and coming into the room. And when he woke up again, he was blind, which would be a real bummer. I... I, I, I <laughs> I, I read one time about a guy who, who was declared dead, and then a doctor resuscitated him, and his life was so miserable, this guy, that he sued the doctor for bringing him back to his miserable life. That'd be a bummer too, wouldn't it? 
And, and we see time and time again this consistency that, yes, it's very subjective. It may be the electrical impulses of the brain firing. I don't know. But it, it is a data point that there's something beyond the grave. What about this data point, the best-selling book of all time, the book that's been read by more people than any book in history, the Bible, naturally, fluidly talks about life after death as if, what? You're talking about going to the moon. It's already happened. It's already happened. And over and over again, like in 1 Corinthians 15, people like the Apostle Paul say, if there is no afterlife, then life has no meaning. It has no meaning. Let us eat, drink, and be merry, he said, for tomorrow we die. While you're on the Titanic, you might as well party hardy marty because you're going to hit an iceberg any second, and it's all over. But he says, no, we have this hope. We have this hope. Constantly, the Bible says there's more, there's more than more. You're just a fish in an aquarium. You're going to leave this aquarium someday, and you're going to get into an ocean that you were made for. But of course, the number one reason to believe in life after death is Christ, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. Because I live, you will never really die, he said. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm the first car off the assembly line of the new car, the new human car. That's what he called it. He said, I am the first fruit. I am the firstborn of all creation. What I am post-death is a model for what you will be post-death. Now, it's really interesting. In the last 50 years, many of us have grown up in a culture that is all about positive thinking, right? Positive thinking. Just think positively. What the, what the mind can conceive, the, the body can achieve. What the what the tree can conceive, the sap can conceive, the tree can achieve. I mean, it's all about positive thinking, right? And when it comes to death, I don't know, but positive thinking is not going to get you out of that one, okay? You can think positively all you want. You're not getting around that one because you thought positively about it. But what if there's a data point? What if there's a data point that says this is not about positive thinking. This is about the basis of your confidence in what you do not see. I asked this a few weeks ago. How many of you... How many of you would rather be standing over a freezing lake on a thin sheet of ice with a lot of confidence? You got a lot of confidence, but you're thin, standing on a thin sheet of ice. But you got to really be careful how you say that. It could come out wrong. Thin sheet of ice. <laughs> and, and you're, but you have a lot of confidence. You're thinking positively. And how many of you would rather be standing over a, frozen, a freezing body of water on an iceberg with little confidence? Which would you rather have? Now, personally, I'd rather be on a tropical beach somewhere, so that, but that's another story. I'd rather be standing with little confidence on an iceberg. Because it's not about how much confidence you have. It's about the source of your confidence. What's the basis? And I have bad news for all of us who think it's all about positive thinking. It's not. It's about What's the basis for your confidence? Faith is being confident in what we do not see. Why? Because of the source of our confidence. And it's the one who said, I'm going to defeat death, and I'm going to show you that my story beats all other stories. I am the name that is above all names, and every knee will bow to me someday. And that's my source. One of the things we know about Easter is that a talk about faith crises is really relevant because many of you, this may be the only time you attend a church this year because years ago you gave up on God due to something that happened. Maybe you went to college and your faith was mocked. Maybe you went to bankruptcy. Maybe you went to a divorce. 
Maybe you saw the hypocrisy of a Christian leader. And ever since then, just like, I'm done. I'm done. And we know that. I can tell you 40 years later, I'm glad I gave him another chance. We are aware today that there are really four faiths in this room right now. The first level of faith is no faith. I'm indifferent. I don't care. I'm here because my spouse dragged me here. I'm here because my parents made me come. And I'm looking forward to the brunch. That's where you are right now with faith. And then some of you, though, are in low faith. It's not that you don't have faith. You have faith. You're interested. And really and truly, if the truth were known, you hope that you have just enough faith to get the, the, the eternal life coverage. That's what you hope. You hope you just have enough to get barcoded in and you're good. You're interested in it. Some of you are here and you realize there is a payoff on this that is beyond comprehension and you're invested. You're invested. Remember that old adage, when you sit down and have your breakfast of ham and eggs today, remember the pig, the, the chicken was involved, the pig was committed. The pig was invested, right? When you have ham and eggs, the pig was invested. And the whole idea is that I'm invested. I'm leveraging my, my time, talent, and treasure. I'm, I'm leveraging my minutes, my mojo, and my moolah. I'm, I'm in, and you're beginning to see payoffs of your faith that, that are beyond numerical. And then some of you here today have been doing this a long time, and you have what is the goal of faith, and that's his faith. His faith is where you have an identification, and you say with Paul the Apostle in Galatians 2.20, uh, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You're actually doing some things Jesus would do if he were in situations you were in that you would have never done without faith in Christ. Here's my point. No matter if it's no faith, low faith, go faith, or his faith, every step requires a leap. Every step requires a basis to say, you know what? I have confidence that I take that step, that I take that leap. There's good reason to assume that he's going to be there and meet me there. And it's a really interesting deal on this faith thing. When you're in a situation where life's good, you know, we got a three-car garage and food in the refrigerator. Why would we mess with this? We're pretty happy pagans the way we are. Why would we mess with this? And so sometimes that leap is, is a leap from the height. And you're saying, we're taking a chance that there's something to this beyond having the bills paid. Sometimes when life is really hard and it's painful, that leap is a leap up to say, I trust that he's going to grow me into a different person that I ever known I could have been. It still requires a leap. It still requires that you validate this is real. I'm stepping out. I'm going to forgive when I don't want to forgive. I'm going to give when I don't want to give. I'm going to serve when I don't want to serve. Because there's something of Christ, the risen one, who meets me there. And for those of you who are here today and you're indifferent and you're in that deep well of doubt and, and some of you even addiction and shame, you are in a great place. Because you're in that place where the most urgent cries of prayer and faith come, help me, God. I can't get out of this by myself. I've dug this hole so deep. Take a look, and for the next 10 minutes, engage your mind, 
and your soul. In this story of what Wendell Berry, the writer of this, called the man in the well. And see if you don't see yourself. And, you know, we want to say to those of you, like, you're here today and your child is addicted to drugs. We want to say to you, Christos Aneste. To those of you who are in the grips of addiction, in the grip of shame, Christos Aneste. Don't you sell him short. For those of you who your spouse has rejected you, and you think that the person who knew me best doesn't think I'm worth it. We say to you today, Christos Aneste. And you can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. But it's not you that's going to get you out of that well. It is his strong arm of grace. And his resurrection power. It's not over yet. And we just pray you walk out of here today and you are more steeled in I will not sell the resurrected Christ short. I will not stand before him someday and say, you know, I just didn't trust you enough to take a leap of faith. And we pray that you look back at April of 2022 and it was your day that you fell on your knees and you said, I trust you. With 2% of my being, I trust you and I will give you that. We're so glad you got to be with us. Once again, would you give it up for the team who put that amazing piece together? So many of us can identify with that. And if you are that man or that woman in the well, we hope that it speaks into you today. Now, if you have faith in Jesus, it means you're going to be more patient leaving our crowded parking lot than when you came in. Because it is a mess. So for those of you who want to get out of church quick, we're going to open those side doors and you can do that. But just say, and you're sitting there for the next 15, 20 minutes, Christos Aneste, Christos Aneste. Have a great Easter, everybody. God bless. Uh